Good morning. Good morning. We're glad to welcome you this good Sunday morning and welcome to our guests in YouTube land. Here at River City, we join hands with the Worldwide Church in reading through the Revised Common Lectionary. The lectionary is a group of readings that move through the entire Bible over the course of three years. Please stand for our reading from Psalms for today. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his, his iniquities. Please join me in prayer. Gracious Father, we praise you and we thank you this morning. We ask you to bless everything that we do here. Bless our praises, bless our prayers, bless our giving, bless our preaching, and bless the ministry to our children. Oh Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask you to help us to be a people truly who live in love. Regarding each other is more important than themselves. Father, we praise you and thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. into prayers of the people um, there maybe it feels this way just for me but there's a lot of death in this prayers of the people this week and I actually try to avoid it because it feels heavy and it feels really dark and I just couldn't there was no news story anywhere that did not include death and so before we pray and lament and grieve and pray into the circumstances of death and loss around the world. I want to read part of the Apostles' Creed because it's really important that we remember who we are praying to and that death is not the end of the story. And so we don't have to be afraid of encountering death because it isn't the end. And so we can pray that he is worthy of it all and the praises that are going up and we can also pray for those who are mourning and in great grief and loss and destruction because we don't want to be afraid. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we hold the weight of prayers of the people, and we know and we remember that death is not the end of the story. We pray for the universal church, its members, and its mission. 
We pray for the Christian men in Bangladesh that were beaten and stoned while worshiping and gathering together. And we pray for the 33 Nigerian Christians that were targeted and killed in their village. And we join in with the thousands of others believers that are praying for these situations. And the request was for peace and comfort and perseverance. And then the last request was that the attackers would come to know your name. And so we join in with their prayer and we pray that you would be the bring your nearness, that you would bring your peace and your comfort to those that are afraid, truly afraid for their lives, who have lost loved ones, who have lost leaders, and we pray and ask that these men and women, the attackers, the extremists, that they would come to know your name. And that they too would be able to say that I believe in the one true God. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the 130 killed in Burkina Faso and for the 215 children's bodies that were found in Canada. We don't run from the weariness and the grief and the heaviness. We sit with it and we trust you. And we remember with the hope that is anchoring our souls that this destruction is not the end. Pray for the families that lost loved ones that are still in this very moment afraid of another attack, of their villages being burned down. Would you supernaturally intervene? Would you distract their attempts at attacks? For the 215 children's bodies and their loved ones, the indigenous people in Canada trying to make efforts towards reconciliation and restoration and healing and owning some yucky parts of being human. God, would you be with that country? Would you be with the people that are affected? And would you allow them to be seen and known and for their culture to be honored and respected? May we love each other well. May you be with the communities that are in deep sorrow and grief at this realization. Pray for the welfare of Smyrna and Cobb County. We pray for the 17-year-old who drowned in the Chattahoochee River. We thank you that his body was found. God, would you be with the nine other teens that survived a very, very traumatic event? Would you be with them? Would you protect them? Would you bring healing to their minds and to their hearts? Give them services that they need to process and recover. I pray that church bodies would love those families extravagantly well. I pray for the family who lost their son. God, would you... Would you hold them up in their weakest and darkest of days? Lord, have mercy. We pray for the concerns of this local community and all those who suffer in it. We pray for Bruce Don's friend, 
as he has continued to not good, get good medical news. I thank you for his heart for you. I thank you for the ways that he's looking to find you in these days. And we pray and join in with Don and his other family and friends as they ask for peace and comfort. Would you be so near to him? May he know that you are always with him. this summer at River City as we walk towards discipleship and we walk towards apprenticeship with you. God, I just pray that there would be just an extra measure of grace and favor in knowing you and in knowing each other with you. May we be a people that have you seated right in the center of our hearts, that there is nothing off limits in our hearts from you to touch, to heal, to free. May our community love each other well, and out of an overflow of that, may we love Smyrna and Cobb County and surrounding counties well. May it not be contained inside this building. May we not be able to contain it. So we just ask, God, that you would come and that you would have your way. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Welcome, everyone. How's everyone feeling? How's everyone doing? It's good. Really great morning um, so far. It is foggy out, but I feel the presence of God and I sense Jesus with us. And so as we start today, I just want to say a couple things about that. When you're involved in a church service, which most of the people in this room have been for a lot of their lives, maybe some haven't been much, but something to take note of while we're in a service, whether here or there, are the opportunities and invitations that come through the Spirit, through the Spirit of Christ, present to the body of Christ. Now that can look so very different. That can be Jesus speaking to you during prayers of the people and nudging your heart, right? If we're singing about a God of justice and a God of grace, that can be during a celebratory moment of experiencing freedom. That could be during a sermon. That could be during a prayer. That could be in a hug or embrace from a friend. All of these things have become to us in ways very nominal, because we've been to so many services, but we have to prepare ourselves as we're in a place with the body to recognize that Jesus is always present, always inviting, always nudging and moving, always inviting, always inviting. There are ways in which we can experience him every time we gather. Now, I don't get to say to you, this is what that looks like, and then make you do that. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you get to present where you actually are, and receive the gift that he gives, which is so much. And so today, I'm going to do my best to continue equipping the saints. And just for those that haven't been here, I know I'm, I'm becoming redundant in saying this, but last year during pandemic, I felt like Jesus kind of shook me and said, all right, if you could start over this church plant, you've been here for seven years, how would you do it? I think we did the right things. We did all we knew how to do. But I, I knew he was saying the work of the church and specifically ministry and pastoral figures is to develop the body of Christ, 
to equip the saints, right? And so we've been on a journey for the past year asking questions about how to do that, recognizing that that's not necessarily a common thing in most of our churches in the Western culture. Discipleship has been traded for leadership, and so that's why we see so much lack of the ability to disciple. Maybe you've been in the spot where you've been like, I would love to be discipled, or I'd love to develop and, and even understand what spiritual formation is, but found yourself hitting walls. And a lot of that reason is because there's just not many people who have taken the time to go the pace of Jesus, to go with the process of Jesus, and to walk with him. Because we're Americans, and we like things quick, Right? That's why if you don't like something specific here, there's a church right there that maybe offers it, right? All over. Like, that's just the way it is. Everything is form-fitted for us to not really have to interact with those things that are inside of us. But walking with Jesus interacts with those things inside of us. And it should. We should want it to. We should be okay with how uncomfortable it can become because that's where growth happens, right? Most of our growth will happen in the places that are unsettled in the places we are least comfortable. But we avoid it and we do so much to make sure we're in comfort. Don't feel any shame about that. Just recognize that as you walk with Jesus, you will walk through things that are not comfortable because he desires that you grow like you've been praying to. Does that make sense? So that's just a variation on what I've been saying every week. Last week you heard from our guys group and what I, what I did not want to happen was for you to see what was happening with this group of guys that at the beginning of the year we were like, I was responding to people who were saying, I recognize I would like to grow, and I was feeling the urgency for it, and so we formed this group, and for four months, we worked together, we practiced Sabbath together, we developed silence and solitude, we really looked at our rhythms of life, and we've stepped into that for four months, and I think what's happening is God is allowing this group to be almost like the first fruits of what it's like to create a rhythm for life that's actually sustainable so that your walk with Jesus can look long-term, as opposed to a one-off, right? That to me would be a desire for you. If you're here or there, if you're at this church for a month or 52 years, that you would see the value in submitting and walking a life with Jesus. What can God do with a whole life? A whole life. And we saw in that group, what I hope to you feels like an invitation, that if you have the desire for that, if you desire to step into it, God will honor that and he will allow you to grow. That's our goal. So that's where we're going as a church. So this week we're gonna ta- we're gonna start what we're we're trying to figure out what to talk. I'm terrible at this kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a church that's really good at boxing things in and being like, "There's your next four months," and this is every Sunday, this is probably not that church. But I can give you a couple t- topics that I want to title what we're starting today. Right. So the one I really want to title it is labeling your place of apprenticeship to Jesus. But I recognize that that can be ambiguous and hard to understand. So I'm just gonna call it. The journey of apprenticeship with Jesus. Everybody say journey. Because we all like the word journey, I think, right? Like, I don't even know if the band Journey is actually good, but their name is Journey, so every one of their songs is popular. If that group was called The Wandering, I don't think, I think we would have stopped believing. Anybody? Anybody? Okay, all right. Anyway. I digress. I love Journey. Okay, so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my process for Journey. Every year we go on a sabbatical as a family in July. This year we're going to California, and we're going to Yosemite, which super pumped. Too pumped. I've been watching people hike. I told you that. I watch people hike. There's not even... I watch people that have filmed a hike, and there's not a plot line, and I'm riveted. 
Like it is the best thing. So much so that my wife asked me to start hiking because I am evidently overweight at this point. So she didn't say that, but that's what I heard. So, so just this trip for Yosemite, the parts of this, feels like a journey to me. I love so much the preparations for it. I love thinking about where we'll stay, what we'll do when we're there. I love talking to my kids about it. I include them on the, where you guys pick five Airbnbs, and we'll, we actually made them do this. We all picked Airbnbs. We talked about the strengths and weaknesses of all of them, and as a family, we still decided what we wanted, but we made them believe that their input... <laughs> See, that's how you do it. (laughs) Just kidding. We actually took it into consideration. They're like, this one has a jungle outside. Anyway, so we picked it like that. As I start to get closer, all of it, the flight, getting to the airport, to me, these are like, for other people, would not be fun parts. I love the idea of a journey that has a purpose, right? A journey that has a purpose. Because if it's not a, if a journey has a purpose, the opposite of that would be wandering. And I think as I've kind of prayed through this process for the summer and the next part of this, this church, I think what we see is that a lot of people, especially with their walk or their apprenticeship to Jesus, kind of wander. They're kind of here and there. There's no specific kind of process, but you see in Scripture, you see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this purposeful journey that God takes these people on, the Israelite community, the children of God, his selected people. You see their journey clearly in the Old Testament, and even as Jesus arrives on the scene and the the Gospels present how he does it, you see that he approaches people to walk with him. And it's not a one-off, and it's not a month, and there's not a conference that he made sure everybody was at, because if you're there, you'll get all the goods, and you'll be good. It's a walk. And even after he steps away, the walk continues. And for them, they walk, and they stay together, and the community thrives, and the community fails, and the community learns, and the community grows, and then they pass it along, and along, and along, and along, and all of a sudden, it's here with us, and we're invited on a journey. We're not invited on a one-off, which bumps into our idea of salvation. And many of us in this room have learned that you receive Jesus, you accept him, and then you just kind of carry on with your life. I sign off on Jesus, yeah, he's good. Yeah, I, I get it, I'm a Christian, right? We sign off, we move on, we're not, we're, we're not afraid of where we're going anymore, but what if that's just the start? What if all of the lack and the lack of desire and the lack of hope and the lack of a vibrant life is because we stopped at that spot? Or our struggles are around that spot when he's saying, no, this is an invitation to a journey with me. Walk with me. Go at my rhythm. Travel at my unforced rhythms of grace. Right? I love that passage. This is the idea that I'm inviting you into. That you would take seriously that you are a human being that is alive right now. You are alive right now. And Jesus is present right now. And his job and his goal is not to just get you to be alert that he is possibly around, but to invite you into something that you didn't even see coming. This is the process of what he's doing. So what I'm gonna do today is gonna be confusing because what I like to do is take about five verses and break them down deeply and share with you. But I'm about to read you the most scripture ever read you. I'm reading the whole book of Genesis today. (laughs) You ever been reading Genesis and you're like in chapter seven and you're like, I've gotta be in the New Testament at this point. And you're like, no, I'm still in Genesis. It is such a thick book. I'm not really reading all that, but I am going to share with you something I talked about last week from Joshua. 
Because at my men's retreat, something about that doesn't sound right, my men's retreat. Anyway, so I felt like Joshua 4 was an invitation for us to look at more deeply. So I stepped back, and I'm going to look at Joshua, and we're going to talk about Joshua over the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about how that relates to our journey. And so if you want to open your Bibles, which you have in your phone, to chapter 1 of Joshua. And as you're opening, just know this. When we started ministry, from this chapter, Sarah and I named our first youth group One Nine Ministries because we were edgy. We're so edgy. We had something called the Crunk Team. And that's, that was, that's it. That's all. We had a Crunk Team. So are you open to the chapter yet? Does anybody know what the word Crunk means? Okay. I didn't know what it meant. We kind of inherited the Crunk Team. I didn't really want them to keep doing what they were doing. But I was, I was being graceful. But they got crunk, evidently, a lot. All right, Joshua chapter one. I'm gonna read you a few in a row. I tried to time this out before service and it got so long in the tooth, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna read and you're gonna like it. This is scripture. Scripture is good. All I can do is remind you of what my friend, Dr. Cheryl John says, that this is like lively oracles dancing about the room. This is not a stale reading. It is not just a historical context. These are lively oracles that have the ability to even penetrate to the depths of our heart. So give scripture the space to do that, right? Be a little bit wowed. Let yourself settle into the context. As I read through these chapters, not all of them, but some of them, I'm going to highlight specific things that I feel like are important. Is that okay? Okay. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Just as I have promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I want to just highlight before I move on, the idea of the witness of the Spirit of God and not departing from the Word. And I want to just for a second take what you hear when you hear don't depart from the Word, and I want to broaden it some. I don't want you to just think, here's the Ten Commandments to not break. I want you to think that the Word is the Logos, the Word is the actual Jesus that will come, that we know, that they experienced. And at this point, they did not know it as that yet. So I want to broaden this chapter to think, this is actually speaking of the incarnate Christ, who is Word made flesh. Does that make sense? So keep it there. You can go on to the next one. We're going to skip chapter 2, because I don't actually like chapter 2. 
I'm just kidding. Chapter two is when they send the spies to Jericho. We all know what happens there. Maybe some of us don't actually. They, they send some spies to look into Jericho because they hear that there could be a battle coming, right? We're gonna skip through that to chapter three. We get to the, everybody say the river. Can my worship team say amen? Amen, they love that river. Amen? Amen. River City, okay. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from, and what does it say? <laughs> just wanna see what y'all did with that. <laughs> and they came to the Jordan. He and, hey, scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's calm down. Scripture. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. So get that in your mind. You see it going? Oh, we're getting up now, right? Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length, Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I love that. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do. And he does. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. But I want to just point back to chapter 1 when he said you're leading them into their land. This is not just Joshua's land. So even though there's a way we can read that and think I'm about to be awesome, this is the land of the people God has chosen. This does not just belong to him. Okay, does that make sense? All right. So today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you go to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, (laughs) I love that word. The Amorites, the Jebusites, behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Get that picture in your head. A river. They're carrying this Ark. The people are knowing. Now we have to follow 2,000 cubits behind. Not too close. We've got to see where it's going. Now, therefore, take up 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Lord The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped into the brink of the water, Now the Jordan overflows. This is just like a sidebar. Now at this time of year, the Jordan overflows on all banks. Okay. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of the Arabah. The Salt Sea were completely cut off, and the people passed over 
opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. So just picture that as I'm, just pause yourself there now. In this river that is all up on one side, these people are in the river, but they're not swimming. They're standing on dry ground because it's, right? This is not just like a scientific anomaly either where, no, you know what happened? Like a lot of times during that season for that river, there's actually a snow. He did this. I'm just gonna throw that out there. This is the ability of our God, the God that can create something from nothing, the God that can bring healing to brokenness, can stop a river and stand it up. So I'm just gonna throw that out there and say, thank you, God, for being able to stop rivers and stand them up. So these people are walking through So I'll start over again at 17. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on the dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until the nation finished passing over the Jordan. So that's the end of three. Now we're gonna go to four. Quick pause though. So this is what is happening to a community that is being led by the Spirit of God on a journey. There were many ways to try and cross this river. This was the way they crossed the river by the the leadership of the Spirit, through how the Spirit wanted to get them through. There were other ways. There were 10 guys in this community that were definitely like, I've done done this before. I've gotten over rivers before. There were other ways. This was the way that he wanted to do it. And there's multiple reasons when you see in Scripture that something happens that feels a little bit like, that didn't have to happen that way. You see the other parts of the story that start to come together because of doing it the way they wouldn't have done it except for the Spirit was there with them, guiding them into a way they wouldn't have done it to do a thing they couldn't have done. Does that make sense? I feel like I could preach right there. I'm gonna move on. All right, this is gonna be the last portion of Scripture for today. This will probably be the most Scripture you've heard from a church in the past year. So I think we're winning in this way because it's a competition. I'm just kidding. I really am just kidding. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe, a man, and commanded them saying, take, the, take 12 stones from out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, that dry place, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where they lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 from from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan and take up each of you a stone on his shoulder. So get a picture of that. This is not like a rock. This is a stone on a shoulder. You're not putting a little rock there unless you just, that's, that'd be strange. It's gonna be a big rock, okay? Pass before the ark, stone on shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to y'all? When you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, so the stone shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever." And the people of Israel did just what Joshua commanded them and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Again, this day when this was written is not this day. So I cannot confirm nor deny whether they are still there. But I think 
I think you get it. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everyone, everything has, was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people. This is such a good story. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste, right? Like, let's get through this. <laughs> like, you're kind of like looking up. You're like, I'm going to start moving. I don't get the sense that they're like celebrating, like in Prince of Egypt that we've all maybe seen, where they're like, hi, na, 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 I get the sense they're like, let's, you don't want to be the last dude? Like the last one walking up the stairs from a basement, you're running, right? I get the sense in haste has more to it than that. And when they, all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Gad and half tribe of Manasseh passed over. Now pay attention to this, armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord in battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. You don't have to go forward from here. So in this chapter, you see what I think can be a deterrent from from the overall story. And I want to explain this to you. So this river to me, massive. I already love rivers too much. But this story, the reason we remember it is because the waters were parted. But I just want to submit this. Right? This river story is important because it was on the way to where God was leading them. In chapter 1, he said, I'm leading these people to a place, a promised land flowing with milk and honey. I'll be with you as you go. So I'm, I'm just wanna, I just want to say this to you. This story can become about this river. This story is not about this river. There could have been a thousand lions right there. And it could be the story about the lions God made run into the mountains. There could be a mountain of ice there. And it would be the story about the ice mountain that God made melt. Because the story is not about the river, the ice mountain, or the lion. It's about where God is leading them on this journey. And God has a goal on the journey. God... God, has a goal so much so that if they crossed that river, set up the stones and decided to camp there and stay there to celebrate the God of rivers, the God who parts rivers, or if in the New Testament when he became the possibility of the God who produces bread, there's a way that we can celebrate what God does more than what he's trying to do overall. This story is beautiful because I don't care what was in the way. I don't care what was there. I don't care if there's a thousand aliens in the way. It doesn't even make sense in the way. This story is beautiful because he was true to his word that wherever or whatever is in between, he will get them through it because then they start fighting people. And a a bit on that, I think we all understand about the shalom of Jesus, about what it is to be a Christian post-Jesus incarnate and how we're not to be a militaristic group or even sign off on that, right? So when we hear that they're assembling for war, I want you to be able to picture this because I believe Joshua and Ephesians actually go together. It's a good, it's a story of the physical for the tribe that God loved, his chosen people, and it's a story of our walk with God being led into every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. I believe they mirror one another. So when we read that they are assembling for war, I just think that you, you know that that's not what we're meant to be. We're not to destroy our enemies. We're not, and our enemies aren't actual physical enemies, right? That's actually what we are here for. What may be thought of as our enemies may be who we're here for. I love the idea of borders, not because we can keep people out, but if you read a little farther along, they start setting up cities in the promised land that are cities of refuge. So what if borders are places when you enter, you don't have to worry about what you had to worry about out there? Instead of saying, 
you're not allowed in here because these are our places. Borders are beautiful in the right context. Borders are awful in the wrong context, right? That had nothing to do with anything. But I'm just going to walk you through a little bit and share a couple things with you. So their journey started in Egypt where people were in such a bad spot, they had to humble themselves to tears and crying out for 400 years. God heard their cry. God led them out. And I imagine people even on the way out, were half of them were probably like, I don't even know if I want to go. Wait, I don't even know if I, if I truly believe in this God. And they find themselves in the midst of this group. <laughs> they got to leave. And they start leaving. And this turns into a group of people who decide to not listen to the voice of God. And because of that, that group of people, this is all happening before, do not get to enter the promised land. So when Moses dies, Joshua is anointed leader. Joshua is now going to be the leader that takes them into the promised land. If you move along to chapter five, you see a few things happen. They fight their first battle, but this battle doesn't even happen because this community saw what happened in the river and they were like, did you guys see what happened in the river? And they all were freaking out. So they didn't even have to fight. But they assembled. After the experience, they got themselves together. They assembled in such a way that they were prepared. It was almost like they were preparing for whatever was next with God. They didn't want to get back in the river. They were going forward. A couple of other things happened there. They actually circumcised all the people that weren't circumcised before. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> amen. We're not going to circumcise anybody at all. Circumcision for them happened because the people who had been circumcised or reminded of their covenant had all died. And everyone else that was brought into this was now a new person into this. There were kids of people circumcised and they celebrated Passover. They were, rem they were to remember whose they were. And then right after that in chapter 5, the angel of the Lord's army decides to show up like he does... And they're so, so, Joshua's so confused. He's like, are you, are you with us? Are you against us? And the answer is no. And Joshua's like, wait, what? <laughs> no. All of these things happen. So this journey that this community is going on is an amazing opportunity for us to see the nature of how God wants to lead us into the promised land, right? And if our promised land is not a land flowing with milk and honey, because honestly... I don't necessarily want either of those things. I, I think we get it, right? A, a plentiful land that you see as it moves on, these people start to move into it. They start to assign tribes different places. They start to make sure there's space for the other or somebody who would come that was an alien. They start to live out this land that then becomes about the land around them. It's a beautiful picture, but it's an invitation for us into a couple of things. Can you pull up this slide? There's a few things I want you to be aware of. This community had a shared journey together. They had a shared journey that when they were with the community they were with, they all kind of knew what they had come through. There was enough overlap. that, And, and this is different for us because we didn't all just travel through a river to get here to celebrate God. We didn't all just drive in the same car here. But we are on a journey that's similar, right? Like just, just for a moment, Pretend like this physical journey is not what we're meant to be on and that the journey in our apprenticeship to Jesus is communal and that we all are on it and then ask ourselves the question, how much of the journey of my neighbors in this room am I actually aware of? 
they had a common shared experience. There's probably even language that they knew that became easy for them because they knew, all right, Yahweh's our, is our that's our, yep, Yahweh's our, we're gonna focus on him, we're gonna stay together, there's gonna be these things we do. They had shared experience. They knew one another. They knew what was hard. Some of them knew when this person's going over the river, they were freaking out. This person has too much cattle. They knew how to walk together. Next thing, they knew the voice of God and the proximity to the voice of God was their survival. This is not, do we think the voice of God is still active? They were like, I don't care about any of that theology. If we're not hearing the voice of God right now and seeing where that ark is going, we will not survive this. The journey with Christ leads you out of bondage or Egypt into freedom, but it has to cleanse things first. And one of the first cleansings are the voices that we've been listening to and being weaned off those like babies so that we can then trust the new voice, the voice of God. The previous generation decided not to listen to that voice and they died off without experiencing the land, right? So they knew we have to listen and obey. you, You don't like the word obey. You read that word obey just now and you were like, I don't like that word. Listened and obeyed the voice of God because as God was promising from the beginning, he's leading his children into shalom, into peace, into rest and restoration, into a life that is lived for others. They shared testimony and treasured it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some, I'm gonna not spend a lot of time here. They had a testimony together. They saw a river part, first part of a testimony. There's a life to a testimony. So there's a lifespan of a testimony. So there's the people who see it and they're like, wow, there's a river parting. (laughs) That's a big deal. Then there's the people who hear about it secondhand and they're like, oh, wow, that happened? Jericho, the city of Jericho is like, yeah, no, that happened. We're not fighting them. And then there's the people who are not alive at that time that will not have experienced the river but still need to hear about the river. And in that lifespan of a testimony, there are stones set up. So that when the children pass up and say, what are, dad, mom, what are these rocks about? Well, that was when God parted the waters. So the life of a testimony is not just meant for you, right? And it's not just about the actual testimony, but it's actually ignition and fuel for that walk into that deeper life of Jesus. And so this idea of shared testimony, this idea of these things that happen from God, I'm, I'm not even saying this to make you feel bad about not sharing. I'm saying us sharing is so pivotal because it has to do with everyone's walk when we share the stories of God and it all fits together in such a way because what if the team what if all those team members other team members from Jericho you know want to get in on it they're like I I didn't I saw it I'm not an Israelite but in our time that's that's what that's what it is there's no enemy there's our stories right and by the power of our story and the blood of the lamb like we're overcomers we have to share our story Story is beautiful. And, and then the next thing is they made preparations. So they made preparations for war, but really what they made preparations for was just whatever could come next, right? And they didn't foresee it, but they won a war. They re-upped their commitment to God. They actually ate their first fruit from the land in that chapter two. In chapter five, it's the first time they actually eat produce that's not manna. So now God is not having to provide from the air Now they're actually able to see the production of God through his natural means. This is beautiful stuff. But they made preparations after they had a river experience. That's like, that could be a camp follow-up 
Any youth camp I've ever been to, this could be the follow-up. You had a river experience. What, what was that pointing towards? Please don't try and find every river there is in the world now. Make preparations. Here's, here's the challenge for us. We don't make preparations. We don't prepare the way for Yahweh, for Yeshua or Jesus to form us in the way that he would like to form us. From the Practicing the Way website, which is actually one of my favorite resources, we've been using it for three years. I've been trying to deal with it for three years. It's been helping me for three years. There is a definition of what it is to label your place of apprenticeship that I want to read you. Hopefully you have this up there. You can pull it up. Apprenticeship to Jesus is a journey from immaturity to maturity, from wounding to healing, from false self to true. But if following Jesus is a journey, is there a map or landmarks by which we can navigate? Have those who have gone before us left behind their thoughts on how to stay the course, avoid detours, and even chart our progress? All journeys are different, but all journeys are, the, are similar. To name your stage of apprenticeship to Jesus and your season of life is to better recognize God's invitation for you each and every day. So that probably just made some of you freak out because you have to think about where you are, right? The first question God asks in Scripture is, where are you? That's actually one of the passages for the lectionary this week. Adam and Eve are naked hiding. (laughs) Hey, guys, he's walking through the cool of the garden as he does. Hey, guys, where are you? First question. That question alone I think is where I want you to stay this week. I had more to say. I'm going to talk to you in the coming weeks about stage theory. It's not that moment right now. I can feel it. I feel that it's not that moment. But there are people who have gone before us that have helped us. There are people who have gone before us that have charted ways in which they've grown and not grown. There are ways to say, how do I take my next step? And most importantly, if you can figure out kind of where you are, you can hear invitations for next steps from your spot. So my prayer for you today is going to be, in this picture of the Israelite community, is there a space that you connect with? Do you still feel like you're in bondage in Egypt, humbled by your surroundings, needing help, crying out? I love that that's the starting point them on their knees crying out. Because in salvation, this is the starting point. We're at the lowest we can go. Jesus goes the highest, we go low. We're recipients of grace. You find yourself there, or do you find yourself kind of in this confusion? You feel called out? You feel God's drawing? You maybe are wondering, is there more? And you almost feel like you've started a journey or not, but you're confused? You hear people talking about miracles or rivers? You don't even like that? You want more rivers? Maybe you're at the river and you're like, this is not happening. I, don't, I, I cannot get from here to there. Maybe you find yourself in a community, but you don't know anybody's story. Man, what a good start. I was having a conversation with David. Um, I've mentioned you twice in a row. Raise your hand, David. Smile for him. One of my favorite conversations I've had all year, and you don't even know you had it, but he is working at Georgia Tech, and you're leading men's ministry stuff there. And if you know David, he's just like, he's almost like if Jesus didn't have hair and was (laughs) present today, 
He's just good. Like, I can explain David as good. So he said, I really want feedback from the guys in the group about what to do at Georgia Tech. I'm leading this ministry. And just kind of in our conversation, the things that came out were, if I was starting something at a school like that, I would want to know from the people I'm with, what has your spiritual journey been so far? What has your journey been? Right? I would want to know that. I would want to know what experiences have you had in or around Christ that have been real to you? Like, what, what is your, like, Kairos moment? What are your moments that are like, this was where it became real? And I would want to know, like, what do you sense that God is leading you into? Just those three things, if they became common knowledge in a community, then the idea of discipleship or spiritual formation can actually become possible. But if we can't settle and sit with the question of where am I, we're just naked in a garden, right? We're just hiding from, what if, what if Adam and Eve aren't like, I'm over here, I'm over here, naked. And I also love that Eve is the only one in that, doesn't label her as Eve yet, but the woman is the only one that actually answers God honestly. Adam's like, she did it. <laughs> She's like, nope, this is what happened. And we don't give any honor to that. We need to, that was awesome. Good job, woman in the garden, you know? You did well. But I don't intend to think that God wants us to stay in the garden. And just to kind of wrap it all up, I don't think he intended for the garden to be all that there ever was. The story in Genesis shows us that God is robust and our stories that have layers and intricacies and our seasons where we don't listen to God and feel like we're stepping into death, don't stop. There's a Joshua coming. There's a season coming where he's raising up this voice in us where we say yes to the Lord. We follow the Lord. We do decide to listen to his voice. We are led into the land flowing with milk and honey to live for the other. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you to go on in a journey of apprenticeship to Jesus. I can't make you. But if you hear John the Baptist still crying out like a voice in the wilderness, echoing around, saying, come with me, let's prepare the way. Please respond this summer. If you'll stand with me. You can go ahead and close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to pray about a couple things. A couple possible in routes for this week. Where are you broken? can help you see where you might be and what do you desire. And I could spend an hour on that one. Our desires show us exactly where we are. So interact with those questions as I pray. If you need to create space, even right now. Jesus, your children need you we know that you've gone before us. We know that you promised to be with us wherever we go. We know that you're leading us all. You're leading us all to this promised land today, which looks like life more full, life more selflessly, a life of love for the neighbor and the enemy and the family member and the church member. So I just pray over this next two months of summer as we practice simply some simple practices and we celebrate one another and we sing song and we lament in prayers of the people and we cry out in intercession and we even conversate and have hear each other's stories that we would be present with you as you are present with us. The things we love about summer, God, are the possibilities for adventure, the possibilities for travel, 
Even the, even the earth is celebrating summer, producing fruit. Let this be a, a summer where we step into this deeper conversation and we live that life of apprenticeship to you. Let something land. And I'm just going to pray that God would let something from today land deeply within you. And it won't just be a sermon you forget in 20 minutes, but there's something that you have to wrestle with with him over the next week. So let that land, Jesus, in our minds and hearts. Draw us in. Sunday, so ready? like to pray and you are on staff or a part of prayer team, please head up front. Jesus, I pray that you would be with us, you would enrich us, and that you would bless this city through our church this week. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.